On this week's Inside Illini Basketball Podcast, Scott Ritchie breaks down Illinois' exhibition victory from this weekend and answers a few listener questions, including who might be the closer for this year's Illini team. That answer and more after these messages. Hi, I'm Paul Rudy, CEO of Rudy Wealth Management and host of Paul Rudy's On The Money Radio Show. Every successful investor I've ever met continuously acted on a plan. Every failed investor I've ever met was constantly reacting to current events. If the recent market turmoil is keeping you up at night, maybe it's time you begin to make your investment and spending decisions based upon a retirement income plan. Perhaps it's time for you to listen to the little voice in your head telling you to call Rudy Wealth Management. You'll be happy you did. Rudy Wealth Management, Central Illinois Retirement Specialist, 356-1400. Pia Sports Bar and Grill presents Inside Illini Basketball. Pia Sports Bar is the number one Illini sports enthusiast bar in Champaign, hosting bus shuttles to all Illini basketball home games, serving up the best wings, beers, never-ending nachos, and mouth-watering burgers. Come visit Pia Sports Bar and Grill and try our famous Grand Slam burger while watching your favorite game. Pia Sports Bar and Grill is located at 1609 West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. Come be a part of the party at Pia's. Good Monday morning. Kind of a rainy Monday morning in yep. Champaign, but I'm you know, feeling joyful because <laughs> I won't have a podcast partner today that just tells me how wrong I am about everything. That's what you think. Oh, g- great. Uh, <laughs> this is Scott Ritchie, Inside Illini Basketball. Not joined by Jim Rosso today. It's a, it's a real shame, but Mike Goble was very helpful in stepping in. To I'm, make sure the podcast went off without a hitch. I'm and, pumped. Well, and this is about Illinois basketball. And honestly, if it was about Illinois football, which well, we'll do later this week, yeah. Matt Daniels and I, also reason to be excited. What a great weekend. Illinois volleyball also won. So yep. it was a, a busy Saturday for the Illini. But uh, on the basketball front, you know, a 101 to 34 yeah. <laughs> exhibition victory, uh, kind of what was expected right yeah i think uh you know they didn't think they were gonna get challenged right going in well i hoped they wouldn't be yeah and it was sort of a a different kind of challenge because i mean let's just be honest the disparity between a number 11 division one team in the country and an naia program out of joliet uh, there's a reason andre cabello plays for the line and you know the guys that play for st francis Play for San Francis. Play for San Francis. Right um, now, Brett Underwood, you know, talked about how you know San Francis. So they run a lot of Princeton style offensive actions, and it would make you know his team defend, and they clearly did pretty well. They have they only gave up thirty four points, but um, mostly an opportunity just to literally see everyone on the roster. Right, all fifteen guys played from Austin Hutcherson getting a, a game or not a game high, but a team high. 21 minutes, so um, a lot of a lot of balance minutes, and then you know, Connor Servin, who's the lone walk-on on the team, kind of a, a rare situation where there's just one of him, um, got some playing time, and even he like in plus-minus, Connor Servin plus three. So nice. All of the Illini were, you know, when you win by 67 points, probably going to have you know, a, a positive <laughs> plus-minus, but all 15 were were on the the good side of that, and I mean, there were some. Some good things to to see from the team, but you can't take away a ton just based on the right 
on the matchup. Was there anybody that surprised you uh, from the from the from the day? I mean, really, I went into the game wanting to see like Alfonso Plummer, Omar Payne, the freshmen, just the ones I hadn't seen play in person before. Um, R.J. Melendez, it was the last of the scholarship players to get in, um, which I suppose I wasn't surprised by just because in the open scrimmage, like he had some flash moments, but also some, okay, he's uh, clearly a freshman moments. Um, But he came in sort of late, you know, in the game and wound up with nine points, three rebounds, had a block and a steal, you know, hit some shots, you know, hustled. I mean, pleasantly surprised. And just, you look at him, he's six, seven long arms, you know, a bouncy athlete, like he could turn into something pretty good for this team. I don't know that it'll be this year, right? But um, as a future, perhaps building block for the program, right. there's some something to be excited about there. He seems to. I mean, just looking at it, and from what you said, that sounds like a, a Brad Underwood type of guy. Literally does it all, right? Gets rebounds, blocks, scores, can do a little bit of it all. Yeah, and that's how you. That's how you get on the court for Brad Underwood. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Demonte Williams has played <laughs> yeah. as much as he has right. for four years because he's not. He got better offensively last year, but he's never going to be your top scorer. But he makes every other play. And you know, I think you know, with R.J. Melendez, he checks into the game on a free throw, then gets an offensive rebound and a putback. I mean, that's how you gain the coach's yeah. favor by right. making hustle plays like that. Um, all the freshmen, you know, kind of did some of that. Brandon Pajemski, you know, dove on the floor for a loose ball. I think Illinois was up like sixty some points at that point, but he still made the hustle play. Yeah. Um, you know, Luke Goody, who you know, Brett Underwood sort of spoke about maybe in more glowing terms after the game, said he had a great week of practice, could see maybe him helping this team sooner rather than later. He was just solid, and that's that's all you want from a freshman, especially on a team. That's so experienced. Right. It's like, just go in, maybe you only play a few minutes a game, do your job in those few minutes, and right. you can make an impact. Is is he just asking them right now just to defend? Right? I mean, you're a freshman. If you can come out and defend and hustle, you might see a couple minutes here and there. Yeah. Because that's all he needs. Yeah, and he's asking his veteran players you know, to defend. <laughs> oh, right. That's what I yeah. mean. Um, no, but I mean, if you look at like last year, Adam Miller, and I'm sure you know, Illinois fans, some of you probably stopped listening because you have some deep-seated hatred of him leaving. But Hey, the, but if you do have some deep-seated hate, the poor guy got hurt, he tore his ACL, so yeah. he's out for the season. It's just, And also, just be happy for him and wherever yep. his, his journey takes him. But his offensive game maybe didn't match what he wanted or maybe the hype heading into the game, but as last season progressed, he became a really good defender. He right. gave effort there. He started all 31 games, so there's right. there's something to that. And you know, Underwood kind of talked about it after the game. It was like literally during the game, he used Trent Frazier as an example of do what Trent's doing. And Trent was, I mean, again, more talented than anyone on the San Francisco roster, but he was just going after them defensively. And uh, I guess maybe the news of the more the morning, uh, Trent Frazier was named uh, the defensive preseason defensive player of the year by Fox Sports based on a vote by college basketball fans. So on one hand, like he had to be, I think, you know, Fox picked the players that were available to be voted on. So 
obviously, you know, he's considered one of the better defenders in college basketball, but also clearly the power of the Illinois fan base on social media. Yes. They they have a Show presence. Show again. Yeah. Right. So, but just But that's good for right, he that's kind of his goal, right? He wants to be defensive player of the year for the Big 10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he was a little upset last year that he that he didn't win it, you know, right. Daryl Morsell uh won it for Maryland. No longer at Maryland, but he's still in college basketball. He transferred to Marquette for his super senior year. Uh, but, yeah, th- there's a, a legitimate chance like Trent Frazier will be the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. Um, and he certainly has made that a goal for a couple of years now. Yeah. And he looked good. He was jumping passing lanes, had six steals against St. Francis. Um, it was it was a solid effort. And, you know, they just, you know, like the statistics, eh. Do with him what you will, but sort of in broader themes, there were some some positives that that I saw from that team. Especially, you know, played fast, right? You know, they you know, there's one thing to talk about playing fast, but like they played fast. You know, they'd get defense rebound, and really, as long as it wasn't Kofi, whoever got it was pushing the ball right. up court. Kofi would find a a guard to do that. Um, not sure he's going to lead a ton of fast breaks. But Georgie I, tried that a couple times last year. I think he did. To uh, mixed results. Yep. Um, of course, if Kofi's leading a fast break, like I would get out of the way yeah. of seven feet, two hundred and eighty-five yep. pounds charging down the court. But um, so that was interesting. To, interesting to see, and then just uh, I guess that was really my my one takeaway because they they shot okay. Yeah, I was just looking at you know eight to twenty-three from three, you know one of six for Trent. You know, DeMonte's over one. You know, he was like 50% last year, so probably want him shooting a couple times. Yeah. But again, you don't need to if you're scoring 100 points. Clearly, things are going right. Yeah, and they were getting easy looks at the basket. I mean, just in terms of, like, Andre Corbello didn't make a ton of threes, but, like, he looked more comfortable taking those opportunities. Right. Last year, I mean, he did not. He shot 16% from three-point range for the season. Uh, He just... Even the shots he did take, he just it was like he took them because he was wide open. And he knew like, okay, I have to take this shot, but it wasn't you know a shot with confidence. Right, that's changed. Um, Austin Hutcherson, just little moments like you know his first big play. You know he comes flying out of nowhere for an offensive rebound and put back all in one. His feet never touched the ground between you know, getting the rebound and, and scoring again. And like his head was like level with the rim. It's like okay, yeah, we've heard a lot. It's like best athlete in the gym. Yeah. Clearly, and he showed it. That is the thing. Yeah. Um, and shot the ball well. I mean, two or three from three. So he's, you know, in, in seven rebounds. You know, yeah, he's a. Uh, everyone has been waiting for him to play, and you know, I'm just I haven't really like perused any message boards, but like they were very high on Austin Hutcherson being the next big thing at Illinois before he played a single game, and right. I just imagine they've gone. Even wilder <laughs> after it was like again, an AIA opponent. I think the second exhibition. I mean, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. No, you beat me to that one. Yeah, uh, a Division two team, so still not step up in in I mean, competition. Two, you'd think two steps up, and they've right. been you know, a fairly regular tournament team in the, at the Division two level. So, what you see Friday um, at State Farm Center. I think will be a little more indicative of maybe maybe what this Illinois team is. Right. Still should, you know, have no trouble. Right. And if there is, then that's also 
maybe indicative of something. Yeah. Uh, how was the how was the crowd? Uh, you know, I, you're all. I was I was I didn't go. My family went. I was kind of thinking that there'd be close to a full house. They said there were some empty pockets. Uh, you know, bringing in the football team after that big upset win, pretty cool. You know, to get out there and celebrate them. So how how were how was the crowd? You know, it was it was, it was something like almost 600 days since fans had been yeah, allowed there. Like 595 yeah. in between the, the Iowa game to end the 2019-20 season, yep. which was a great environment. Oh, that sold was awesome. Out. I was there. Yeah, that game was sold out. The Orange Crush trolled Fran McCaffrey hard. Amazing. And it was the, amazing. And then the fact that you know, Brad Underwood signed this giant head, <laughs> this giant Fran McCaffrey head uh. after the game was something. Um, yeah, almost 600 days. I think announced attendance was just shy of 13,000. So, I mean, honestly, for an exhibition game right. on a Saturday night at 8 o'clock, yep. which is an odd time to play, but there were some you know, timing issues to make sure some people got back from sure. State College after football, including Brian Barnhart, who called, called the game. both games <laughs> that, that day. Um, so I thought that that was a decent number. Yeah. Um, but it was just so different from last year. And better, yeah. I mean, because just thinking, you know, last year, like ten minutes before the game, both teams had like already gone through warmups. They've come off. It's like okay, there's going to be a college basketball game, and then it's just dead it's silent. Dead silent. Yeah, it was just the strangest sensation. Um, yeah, the Orange Crush was in full force and loud, and you know, you miss hearing the the funny things that they say. The Maybe rethink that things that they say. You're like, <laughs> did you, you know, did you really mean? They're college that? kids. We can, yeah. Let uh, so it's just the whole. It was just felt normal, and of course, I mean, everyone was masked up, and uh, Mike Coon was the, the public dress announcer for the game, and he had a regular reminder during timeouts. Was like, please wear your masks. And yeah. So I mean, we're still in that situation, but it was just it was a college basketball game with fans and they were excited and I mean, that's what that's what college basketball is partially about it's right. not just the basketball it's just the the experience right. right well our regular listener one of i hope many craig had some questions that he emailed in thank you craig as always for listening and for participating yeah participating so, exactly so you've got a few that you're gonna ask me all right here we go you ready which one player can Illinois not afford to lose to injury? And how would they shuffle the deck to compensate for that loss? I mean, there's probably... I have an idea. There's probably three that you could say. Okay. But I think the one that they can't lose where it would may have would be more impactful is Andre Curbella. That was what I, was my, what I would have said. Because don't want to lose Kofi Coburn because he, right. he is a unique... Freak basketball player yeah. in college basketball, just how physically dominant he is. But you know, Omar Payne is it, you the, have you the have best a suitable backup, backup the right? best backup center I think Illinois had I don't know ever. It's been a little thin in that department, right? Um, but Andre Curbelo will be what keeps this team going right. offensively, um, and I mean, there you know, Trent Frazier can't like. Can run the point if he has to. Sure. But, and he'll have the ball in his hands even when Andre Carbello is on the court. But there are plays that Andre Carbello makes that no one on 
this team earth. can make. Yeah. No one on earth. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a chance for that. I mean, he had two, at least two that I remember just off the top of my head you know, from Saturday night. It was just he did this kind of long bounce pass to Austin Hutcherson in transition with like some serious English on it to get it around <laughs> the St. Francis defenders. Um, and then, I don't know, just a, a number of no-look passes that surprised me a little bit and then also still surprising his teammates a little bit. Right. It's like, I think they just have to maybe get back to the rhythm. It was like, like, head on a swivel because you might be open for a split second and Andre Cabrera it's coming. Will, will find you. Yeah, so it's coming. It's, he's the one I don't think they can afford to lose. And, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, whatever. You know, they don't have to go through that, but I think you'd see Trent Frazier run the point more. And then who's the, who's coming in if like if you if it's not Trent who is it? It's a good question because they're sort of figuring that out. Um, they've used Austin Hutcherson in that role, and like he stayed. The reason I think he played as much as he did is because late in the game, when all the other starters rotation regular regular rotation sure. guys were out, he was out there running the point. So I think that's probably your indication that he's the backup to the backup. But um, you know Brandon Pajemski, they've started you know putting the ball in his hands and practice a little more uh, just to get some reps at the point. And like he, he did that in high school. So, I mean, he, he can, yeah. uh, and then DeMonte Williams also can do that uh, he, in the open practice a few weeks ago. He did really? a little bit. Um, again, it's something he did in high school and I just high school DeMonte and Illinois DeMonte are so different in terms of what they do on the court. But, yeah. Uh, DeMonte has shown a little bit more aggression with the ball in his hands, like going to the basket. I was like, I remember 17-year-old DeMonte doing those things. And it's interesting to see him do that now. And it's just he hasn't had to. Like he's filled the role he's needed to fill. But there's always, like I think, a little more that he could do. He just He's happy knocking down, catching three threes, <laughs> defending, um, getting in opponents' faces if they say things to his teammates, which Iowa. happened. <laughs> well, it happened early Saturday, like Kofi's first, you know, deep post opportunity. Like St. Francis showed that their only defense against that was to foul him. Right. And then the St. Francis guys got said something, and uh, Demonte, shocker, not thrilled when other teams do that. Well, that's all right. I, I like somebody that's going to get dirty like that. He's right? he has his teammates' backs. I mean, yeah. So yeah, and some some options at point, but like. No, no Andre one like Andre is going Cabello. to play thirty-three minutes a game, running the point. And Something Trent's like going to play six or seven or whatever the other are. Probably, ideally, yeah. All right. Next question: Which one player do you believe will far exceed current expectations by the end of the regular season? Well, the the example Craig used was Jacob Grandison from last year, yep. who at the beginning of the year. So he looked like can't play this guy almost. Um, and then end of the year, you know, he's starting, and Illinois went fifteen and two with him in the starting lineup. Right. And he just found his role, which was different than his role at Holy Cross. I think it just took him time to because he was settle in. He was their scorer at Holy Cross, led the team. So it's not going to be his role at Illinois. Um, like I'd say, like Coleman Hawkins or Austin Hutcherson, but like I feel like expectations are like high for those two guys. Um. So, maybe 
I guess I think if they meet expectations, like Illinois is the undefeated number one team in the country or something like that, because fans are are really high on those. So I'm gonna say like maybe Omar Payne, because I think you know, he'll get plenty of playing time, but I don't know that I don't know that fans know what to expect from him. So right. that's kind of kept the expectations down, but like he could just the number of lobs that he could catch and dunks that he could throw down off of those lobs could be impressive. Yeah. He's like if Austin Hutcherson is maybe the best athlete on the team, Omar Payne is making it a competition. Wow. And at six ten with a seven five wingspan, like he can also jump out of the gym. Hmm. So I like it's, it's not gonna be a huge role for him, I don't think, but it could be an important one. Okay. All right, next question. Where, which game in 2021, by 2022 games, we will have a good sense of where they're headed, is the most telling. So what? which game is the most telling for the outcome of the season? Sort of a canary in the coal mine situation. Yeah, so just looking at the, the slate of games before we hit 2022, I mean, yeah. that's, you've got your your five non-conference games against mid to low major opponents. I mean, the only reason they would be of note is if say Illinois loses right. one of them. I mean, I think I think the the game that could be the the early indication of like what kind of season this could be is the one that's not a guarantee yet. Um but if Illinois and Arkansas meet in the championship game of the Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City, that could be a terrific game. I mean, both teams are ranked in the top 25, and it'll be you know a late November challenge. I mean, just like three weeks into the year. Right. It's like, are you the team you think you are now? Or what kind of team are you going to be if things don't go well? But So, like, fingers crossed, like mine are, I'm sure the organizers of the Hall of Fame Classic are hoping like that's the case for the championship game. Right. Uh, but that could be a really interesting game. If it doesn't happen for whatever reason, um, I mean, there's some, like Notre Dame would be a decent game. Uh, like the here, 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 I'm going to put you on the spot. Is Illinois going to win the Bragging Rights game this year? <laughs> I mean, they should. Like, Missouri is, like, in total rebuild mode. They, right. They, they lost a bunch uh, Didn't of, we say that last year a little bit, though, or two, no, years, they ago? Brought, two yeah. years ago? I mean. Haven't we been saying that? Missouri's won three in a row. I know. And uh, let's see, Trent and DeMonte are the only ones that know what it feels like to win. (laughs) Yeah, Bragging Rights win is like uh, their freshman year. I mean, I think, I mean, Illinois is the clear favorite on paper. Right. And I think what's changed about the dynamic of that game is like Javon Pickett's still around, but Mark Smith transferred to Kansas State, Jeremiah Tillman. Uh, turn pro. I don't know what's happened okay. with Jeremiah Tillman. Like, he's. I'm not sure where he wound up, but he's. He's not in Missouri anymore. And like you just you saw over the last three years, how th- that particular game meant more to Missouri and particularly maybe those three guys. Seemingly, yeah. And it seems like they got their teammates fired up. Yeah. Um. So I don't. Uh, Maybe maybe Javon Pickett. Like Javon Pickett's been great yeah, at bragging rights, so maybe he's able to do it by himself. But I think maybe just no Mark Smith, no, no Jeremiah Tillman. The fact that Illinois has a 
a more talented roster. One would assume the result would be different than the last three years. So that I heard yes. <laughs> Illinois is going to – Scott Ritchie says Illinois is going to win the Bragg and Rights game. Yeah, I mean, I won't pick that game until, you know, <laughs> late December. And what happens before it will have an impact. But I'm holding you to it, though. I, They should win. All right. You were going uh, to say Arizona. Yeah, and that's a – I think Arizona will could be better than they're projected right now. I mean, new coach, a lot of new players, but, I mean, they're never – bad for long and they really weren't bad last year either right like sean miller got fired for things not related to how his team was playing on the court so it's just an interesting game and games like that should happen more where high major teams play each other on campus yeah it's gonna be great great atmosphere yeah uh, maybe one more question all right one more um <laughs> uh how about who's gonna take the last shot in a tie game or even in a in a game where they're losing, who's going to take the last shot? I could see it ha- happening in two different ways. If it's a like jump shot, I think Trent Frazier takes that shot. Yep. At least right now, until I see more of Andre Corbello as a jump shooter. Yep. If it's a dribble drive, you want Corbello making that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I want him taking that shot because he just has a knack for. Yeah getting to the rim through whatever the defense might be. Or it's a Curbelo drive and then say like the Indiana game last year, Curbelo will short drive pass to Kofi Coburn. Yeah. Dunk. Who's taking the three? Trent, right? Trent probably if you I gotta think take a th- if you gotta have a three. Alfonso Plummer would certainly be an option there. Um he didn't I don't he didn't play great in the exhibition, but it's also an exhibition and don't get wrapped up in the results of right one game that doesn't count, but like he's shown like he made eleven threes in one game before like he he's a shooter right. But Trent, I think so. I mean he's, I mean he's their veteran leader, yeah, and he can make those shots yeah. So it's uh, I mean last year it was just I O. It was just I O. Because he could let I me mean, do it all yeah. So I think it's more it's closer by committee to borrow. You know, a baseball phrase. There you go. All right. Hey, don't forget to check out Scott Ritchie's Big Ten Breakdown in uh, Sunday's uh, Sports Extra. He's got a team-by-team breakdown of every team. He's. Did you pick a Big Ten champion? No. They're just, just breaking them down. Yeah. I mean, I picked Illinois to win the Big Ten before the season started, so yeah, I have sticking not with that. moved off from that. All but right. then I think periodically throughout this week, maybe next, just had some – my fellow Big Ten beat writers weigh in on the teams they cover, so I'll be running that. Just didn't want to uh, – like me, they tend to you know, have quite a bit to say or write about the teams they cover. So we didn't want to you know, try and jam Ramming it all in, into yeah. weekend extra. So we'll just have – I mean, yeah, between that, another exhibition game this Friday, lots of basketball coverage yeah. in the News Gazette. Scott, keep up the great work. Thank you. It's an exciting time of year. Basketball going, football, knocking off top 10 teams, volleyball, heading toward the postseason. It's yeah. a great time of year. Yeah, it's just, it's super exciting when all three sports overlap. Yeah. And by exciting, I mean... Busy. Very busy. <laughs> well, thank you for filling in. Happy to help. For 
It's my second time on the podcast. Yeah, out of 173 episodes now. Well, I'll be back in 50 more. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next week, I'm sure it'll be more of the same. Jim Rosso telling me how wrong I am. So for for this week, I'm going to relish to the good times.